Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, January the 30th, 2024. It is currently 7.30 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. I hope everyone has had a great day. I hope... You know, I hope your January has went somewhat well. I, I hope it, I hope it's been a good January because I don't know if you realize it, the first month of 2024 is about to be over. It, it's hard for me to believe. And if you remember, I think it was right before we started 2024, I came up with a, well, you can tell me if it was a great idea. Maybe it wasn't such a great idea. I had this idea. This idea is that for 2024, we would participate in the Sermons 2.0 app sermon challenge and that each day you would wake up and you would grab your phone or your iPad and you would open up the Sermons 2.0 app and you would go to sermons and you would go to new sermons and you would choose one as random as possible. You would not look at the name of the church. You would try not to look at anything and just hit play and then take some notes, write a one sentence summary, and then just try to listen to at least one sermon every single day for all of 2024. That was that was the goal. That was the goal. And of course, I cannot speak for your life. My life got turned upside down. I got COVID. It's been, it's, I, feel, I don't even know what happened in January. I'm looking back right now going, wait a minute, can I, can I get a do-over? Can, can we do January over? But there's no going back. There's no do-over. Next thing we know, We're going to wake up and it's going to be February. We're going to be in the second month of 2024. And then, of course, before you know it, then we're going to be in the third month and then the fourth month. You get the idea. Before we know it's going to be over. So here's what we're doing tonight. We have an interesting situation here. As many of you know, we were notified by our podcasting hosting site, Spreaker, that their you know, live broadcasting feature is going away. And they told me to stop using it and let all of my listeners know. And, you know, if you want to do live broadcast, look for other platforms. Well, you know that we already broadcast live on Sermons 2.0 and the Church One app, and we've we've been somewhat successful there. Uh, You know, obviously, our podcast, after a live broadcast, it's immediately uploaded and sent out to every podcasting app on earth. And so we're doing very good in the podcasting world. That's great. You know, top 5%, we're doing wonderful. But since Spreaker is going away, we, we need another platform to be able to live broadcast on. And, and yes, I could broad, continue to broadcast on the Sermons 2.0 app, Church One, but you're kind of preaching to the choir there, right? You're kind of you're preaching to the choir. And typically, I don't know if you know how this works in the Christian world, what happens is, oh, I hate this, Christianity is divided into do we dare say tribes? It's divided up into gangs. Do we say gangs? It's it's divided up into teams, tribes, teams, gangs. And so what people want when they're choosing sermons to listen to or looking for things on a Christian website, they want to find things that are that are wearing their gang colors, right? That are wearing the the the, the colors of their tribe or their team or their gang. And they only want to hear what they already agree with. And anything that goes against their particular way of thinking, they just cast it out and say heresy. And and so that makes it difficult. But if you can be broadcasting and a much more maybe 
non-Christian world, right, and, and, and not a Christian website, well, you may have people who are interested in theological subjects, theological issues, and they don't, they don't necessarily have a team. They may still disagree with you, but they don't necessarily have a team. But I want to be broadcasting in both worlds. So Spreaker obviously was not a Christian website, a Christian platform. So we, we were broadcasting there and doing very well now that they're going away. So wh- how do we replace it? Well, I could, I could go to another Christian site. We could be broadcasting on Sermons 2.0, Church One, oh, and Sermons.net. We could, we could add that. Well, that's just more preaching to the choir. So I decided that we're going to be using Mixler, at least temporarily. We're doing a temporary test to see how it's going to work on this platform. So tonight... We are broadcasting Sermons 2.0, of course, the Sermon Audio website, the Church One app, and we're broadcasting right now live on Mixler. I don't know where you're listening to us right now, but if you're listening to us on the Sermons 2.0 app or Church One or the Sermon Audio website, if you'll go to the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store and download Mixler, M-I-X-L-R, Mixler, and if you will then do a search for Theology Central, you will find us, and you can listen there, and you can see how that app is going to work, because possibly we're going to be utilizing it moving into the future as we see how this all plays out. I told you 2024 was going to be a crazy year, and it's proven to be just that. Now, because we're doing the Sermons 2.0 app challenge, where you're to grab just, you know, a random sermon, well, I'm participating with you. So tonight, we are broadcasting on these two platforms. What we're going to do is we're going to do one of our famous sermon reviews. Now, for everyone, for those who are listening who have no idea what I'm talking about, our sermon reviews work this way. It's very simple. I chose a random sermon. I don't listen to the sermon in advance because if I listen to the sermon in advance, then this comes across as a as like rehearsed. It comes across like a performance. It doesn't cr- come across like a genuine sermon review because the way I want it to work is, hey, I'm challenging you to listen to a random sermon. Well, I'm going to listen to a random sermon and oh, we're going to listen to it together. Now, I'm going to offer analysis, critique. I may agree, may disagree, but obviously I don't have some like you know, an agenda. I don't have an axe to grind because I have no idea what I'm getting ready to hear. I may like it. I may dislike it. I may take a little bit of what they do and we may go our own direction. We may chase our own theological trail. We our, our, you know, we may we may go to our own theological trail, chase our own theological rabbit. Who knows? Uh, but that's the way it's going to go. And the one thing I, I, I am going to have a hard time broadcasting on Mixler is it shows me when someone comes in and it shows me when someone leaves. So as soon as someone leaves, you're like, what did I say that was so bad? They already left. What did I do? Okay. All right. But I, I, I digress. I can't focus on that. All right. So so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to do one of our famous sermon reviews. And as I just said, this is me just listening and inviting you. The, the way this is supposed to be set up is you drove, you were driving past my studio. You saw the light was on. You knocked on the door. Hey, what are you doing? I'm getting ready to listen to a sermon. Well, can I listen with you? And you sit down, you grab a Bible, a notebook, a pencil, and we start listening together. And I stop and we talk about it, stop and we talk about it. So that's what we're going to do now. As I was choosing my random sermon, the first one I chose, well, the sound quality was all messed up. It was just a mess. I always hit play to just make sure it's not too loud or, or anything, or, or it's not, if it's too quiet or, or just any kind of, of sound problem. 
So I'm like, well, the, this starts off all weird. I wonder if it gets any better. So I started fast forwarding and, and kind of jumping ahead. And I get to around the seven minute, five, five to seven minute mark. And something starts happening in the sermon that I'm going to play for you. Now, I want to make this very clear. This is not the sermon we're going to review, but I want to play this. And the reason I want to play this is not to offer criticism. Uh, The reason I want to play this is not to be judgmental. The reason I want to play this is not to mock, make fun of, or anything like that. If anyone interprets it that way, you're, you're misinterpreting what I'm doing. What I want to demonstrate here is how wildly different and, and the wild variety you, we find within the Christian world, right? Obviously, we know we find radical differences in hermeneutical systems, right? People's hermeneutical systems are all over the place. How people, and of course, hermeneutics are the principles of, of interpretation. People's methods and systems of interpretation, sometimes they baffle me. Sometimes when I try to ask, like, so what method are you using to interpret this? But they can't really give you the system. It's like they read it and this is what it means. And like, well, no, that's not exactly what it means if you look at the context. You know, you're reading from Jeremiah saying, God, you know, I, you know, I know the plans I have for you. And it's like, well, those plans that God is talking about have nothing to do with you because in Jeremiah, that is referring to God's plans for those coming out of Babylonian captivity. Why are you claiming that? Why are you even, what are you doing that has, like, your hermeneutic makes no sense. And on and on and on. I could, I could give examples. So sometimes the hermeneutical differences are crazy. But the differences, not only in hermeneutics, but the difference in preaching, the variety in preaching styles, sometimes in some cases, I feel like on one hand, I think there's too much sameness. Like in some cases, I believe that every church follows a template, that every preacher has a template. And those are typically the more maybe larger churches, more quote unquote, from a human perspective, more successful. Those preachers follow a very tried and true way of speaking, right? They sound like a preacher and just everything from their, from their opening to their prayer, to their illustrations, to... They they just sound the part, and I hate that because it's like everyone it's like everyone's got a template. But when you get away from maybe the the mainstream where everyone sounds the same, they came they sound like they came out out of a factory. Then you have this wild, crazy variety outside of that, and sometimes it's crazy because this is important. Preaching style. And I know we can get caught up in the stylistic differences, but the stylistic differences in many cases really signify a hermeneutical approach to the text, not only in their interpretation, how they're going to articulate the scriptures in their preaching. Because then sometimes the preaching, I think in some cases, preaching itself actually keeps people from the text. You never get to the actual text because preaching becomes so much of a performance and it becomes so much about making it practical and that you almost are just given points versus the actual text. So when I was, when I found this first sermon that I thought I was going to review and I started jumping around because the sound quality was messed up at the beginning, this thing, this thing gets really, I don't know how to describe it. I'm just going to play a little bit for you. I'm just going to jump in. I've got it at the five minute and 58 second mark. Uh, and I, I, I mean, 
I, I don't have any words for this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to play this, and you can tell me what you think. All right, here we go. This is called We Need the Fire. We need the fire. Now, I, I'm saying it in a very passionate way because there's one thing about this preaching. This guy, at the very beginning, he's kind of like maybe somewhat, I don't know how to say it, speaking in a more normal way. But almost instantaneously, a, a, a switch gets flipped, boom, and it just is yelling and screaming. And it, it almost sounds like, I don't know how to describe it, but I want you to hear it because it just demonstrates the, the, that how radically different it can be. Now, this by no means would be an example of your typical mainstream preaching. But I don't know what this signifies as far as how you handle scripture. I don't know what this signifies, but I want you to hear it because I heard this and I'm, I'm still trying to process what I heard. So here we go. It's called We Need the Fire. This is about five minutes into it. I, I just, I'm going to play, a, I'm going to play a couple of minutes of this. I'm, I mean, I'll probably break in here or there, but I want you to hear this. So here we go. But before the waters ever started to reside, even the Bible said in God, I remember Noah. Whoa, I'm glad tonight that God remembers me and God remembers you. Amen. And his wall as we'll make him welcome in his house. Hey, where does God dwell tonight? Amen. God don't dwell inside these four walls. I thank God for the church. I thank God for this place. Other you and I can meet out and meet with him and feel his presence. Other brother God has took up his abode in the heart of man. Are you brother? Amen. God don't dwell in no earthly tabernacle anymore. But honey, you and I have to put his word on the fleshly tables of our heart. That's where God dwells. It ain't in a cloud. It ain't in a cliff. It ain't in what's on the side. Honey, it's what's in your heart. That's where God lives tonight. He said, Lord, don't forget about us. Remember us. He said, don't forget your anointed. Joel, have you ever asked the Lord not to forget about you? Amen. Whoa. I don't know what, I, I don't know how to process that. I, I don't. What is that? I, I don't even know if I can make out a word there. I don't even know what that is. Like, like in no, I'm not even trying to criticize it. I'm by no means even trying to mock it or make fun of it. But obviously there's people in the audience and they're loving it. They love it. They're amening. And I, I don't know what they're amening because I don't know what's being said. It's, and, and I don't know what's going on. Now, it may be because of a medical condition. It, and it, it may be. And if it is of a medical condition, then... By all means, don't scream. You think you would speak in a, a a calmer way so that you could get your breath, you know, and Jesus, and he doesn't dwell in, in wherever. And, but it, it's, I'm just going to play a little bit more of it. I, I don't know how to process it. I, I don't know. 
of the Eurasian. And when Solomon had made an end of praying, I believe his are ringing the bells on the other side. Oh, you know how I know? As soon as they got done, the Bible said a fire came down out of heaven. I thank God for the cloud. Oh, but honey, what we need more of in the day we're living in is to fire that comes from glory. I won't know. I, I, I don't know what to make of that, but that. I, I don't know what we I don't know what to say there. It, again, it's not even about criticizing the style. It just like that that type of preaching obviously is approaching the text. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know if you can get to the text in that. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. Um, and and there's all kinds of styles. I'm not criticizing. I'm not criticizing it. What it demonstrates is that. Is that more, how can I say this? Is that more about emotion than it is exposition? Is it more, and I don't want to say performance. I don't want to say performance because that's, that's being judgmental. That's making, that's me judging a motive. I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to judge a motive, but it, I don't know what that is. But there are some people who love it. And that's the thing about preaching is you can have some people like I listen to that and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. 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 Other people listen to that and they're like, I feel the spirit. I love it. And, and it's so odd how like, you know, th- that maybe that's why there's so much difference in preaching so that there's something for everyone. You would, you would like to believe. I don't know. I, you would like to believe that there could just be, I don't know. I, I, I like, like, because if, if you think about it, if everyone has their personal preference, then that's why you get thousands and thousands and thousands of churches and hundreds and hundreds of churches in a small city because, well, everyone wants their style. Their, uh, they want Coke. No, I want Pepsi. No, I want Dr. Pepper. No, I want Sprite. No, I want 7-Up. I want Orange Orange Fanta. I want whatever the case may be. I want Big Red. I want whatever whatever soft drink is your Coke Zero, whatever, you know, a Cherry Coke, what a root beer, whatever the case may be. Everyone has their little flavor. And I, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I I'm I'm not so sure I'm I'm not so sure I'm convinced that's a good thing, but there there you have it. I wanted to hear a little bit of that just because that's that's the random one I I I started listening to. It's the random one. I'll I'll play just a couple of more seconds of it just because I I just I just don't know. Let's listen to a little bit more of it. More than a sound. I want more than a motion. That's what the cloud is. But honey, to get the fire, you got a holy and fully devote who you are under the Lord. That's right. He said, Lord, I want you to have all this. I don't know how much money Solomon spent. Amen. Oh, my house of God. Oh, but he was willing. It's painful. It's painful for me to listen to. I like, I can't even process what's happening. And just note, that's like five minutes into the sermon. And this thing goes on for like 40 something minutes. 
40 minutes, 40. I, I don't even know. First of all, I don't know how the person is still living by the end of it. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Can, 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 can you say, can you say that that's a good thing? Can you say it's a bad thing? Like there's, there's a part of me that you want to sit there and go, well, what is anyone going to take from the word of God? What is, is anyone going to take anything from it? It's, it's, it's easy to be critical of it, but I don't want to be critical of it. I, I, maybe, maybe this is the question. Maybe this is the question for this evening. Like, like because you've been, I, I think this is important. If you've been participating in the Sermons 2.0 app sermon challenge, it's January the 30th. Hopefully you've got close to 30 sermons you've listened to. Hopefully, hopefully, right? If you've really been participating, you've got 30 sermons you've listened to. Now I know probably 90% of the people are not participating in the challenge and most people dropped out by day five or day six. I know that. But if just think about it. If you would have participated, you would have 30 sermons in your notebook, title, scripture, name of the church and the, and the speaker, and you would have a one-sentence summary of each sermon that you've heard. 30. I would hope... That would be a, a, a lot of spiritual food and be beneficial to you. But also something else would have happened. Out of those 30, out of those 30 sermons, you were confronted, you experienced multiple different styles of preaching. You have heard everything from maybe the calm and monotone to the loud and emotional to the more maybe compassionate and loving to the more condemning fire and brimstone to maybe more academic. You've probably heard, I mean, especially if you've gotten 30 sermons from 30 different sources, you've, you've heard so many different kinds. So here is a real question. Now, now we, we, cannot, we cannot answer this question necessarily from a dogmatic biblical perspective, but it's an important question. Is there a right style of preaching and is there a wrong style? Now, right and wrong, that's going to be hard to be dogmatic. But let me ask you this. Are there styles of preaching that are much more likely to lead people to leave church with a greater understanding of the text? And are there styles that are actually going to lead people to leave the church with a, le a less understanding of the text? They're going to understand the text. They're not going to understand. Uh, they may understand the text less than when they started. Maybe they even, they don't really understand it at all. In other words, are there styles more conducive to people leaving with a better understanding? Or are there styles that are actually harmful and keeping people from the text. Now, you don't have to yell and scream and do that to necessarily harm people's ability to understand the text. You could be a gifted speaker where you do everything right. You make eye contact, you've got inflection, you, you use humor, you use emotion, but you present such a good speech that everyone remembers the speech. Everyone remembers the sermon, but they don't actually remember the text. There could be someone else who doesn't do the eye contact and maybe they don't use inflection right and maybe they make a million mistakes, but you leave knowing the text. Now, some cases, I think we are more prone to choose preaching out of based off style than we are content. Some people don't like 
a sermon because they don't like the style. Well, but what and 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 I always hate when people say Hey, what do you think about this? I always hate when people send me a sermon and ask me what I think, because a lot of times it's because they like it. And then I'll be like, oh, well, that's horrible. Or they hate it. And then I'll be like, well, what was your problem? What was your problem? Well, I didn't like his style. Well, see, whenever you tell me you don't like the style, then I think we've missed the point, right? Because shouldn't it be about the text? Shouldn't it be about the substance? Now, I'm going to be fair, though. There's sometimes the style so negatively, the, the style actually is detrimental to the, to the content, to the text. Like in that sermon right there, I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to, all I can think about when I'm listening to that, is the man okay? Does he need oxygen? It, has he had some kind of surgical procedure? Is it, what is wrong? Why is he doing this to himself? It sounds painful. I, I cannot even process what's being said. Now that may be more on me than on them, but it calls into question about how we approach preaching. I mean, look, this, this is what this has all been about, right? 30 days, 30 sermons. You should be, have heard so many different ones right now. Did style impact? How did style impact? If you participated in the sermon challenge, you, you've got 30 sermons. How did style impact your ability to get something from the sermon? Now, is that, is that on you or is it on the preaching? Or should preachers go, we've got to figure out the right style that most people will get or does the preacher just preach the style that's them so that they're very genuine and, or, and be, being very real in who they are, being very authentic? But then many people don't. I don't know where you stand when it comes to style, but that style right there, that style right there, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But we're going to go from there. To the second random sermon I chose, because there's no way I wanted to review that one. The second one I came up with is entitled, Broken by God, God Breaks You to Make You. Broken by God, God Breaks You to Make You. I am interested in seeing where this goes. So we're going to listen and we're going to see what we can find out this evening. Here we go. The title of the message this morning is God Breaks You to Make You. God Breaks You to Make You. And the automated texting system might be sending out the link to this. And I think pretty much everyone this morning is going to know someone who needs to hear this and be encouraged. So you can send that to them. Tell them to, to, to listen to this important message. Because this is where the it sets the men apart from the boys. Have you heard that saying? Oh, now that, okay. Now, now I, my, my attention is completely, I, I, I am, I'm completely interested in that. They have an automatic or an automated texting system. So everyone is sitting there in the pew. They just got a text with a link to the sermon. And then he's encouraging them. Hey, you, you, you're going to know someone who needs this. Send them the link. So it's literally promotion of the sermon as the sermon is preaching in real time, utilizing your captive audience to now send out the link so that more people will listen to your online ministry. I, I don't know if I think, I don't know if that is, 
I don't know if I perceive that as brilliant. I don't know if I perceive that as, ugh, that's kind of, I don't know about that. That, that, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's a good use of technology. Obviously, this is a church that greatly encourages everyone to have their phone out, right? Obviously, some churches are very, put your phones away. This one is like, hey, hey, come on. You get that text message? You get a text message right now? Look at it. It's from us. It's from the church. It's our automated texting system. And that's a link to the sermon. Now, go ahead. In other words, to their live stream. Now, go ahead and text it out. So while I'm trying to preach or doing my introduction, you guys are the promotion team. You go go send this out. I don't, do you like that? Or do you, do you, do you feel like that that's crass? Do you feel like, I don't know. Should, should you not probably send that out prior to the sermon? Like, should you possibly go live for five, you know, five minutes before, send it out? And then while, you know, with your microphone muted, you tell everyone in the sanctuary, hey, you're about to get a text. I think tonight, I think this sermon is going to be useful for a lot of people. So, hey, you text this, text this link to uh, five people before the sermon actually starts. That's, I've never heard that before. That's, that's fascinating to me. All right, but let's, let's keep, let's, let's keep listening. Let's keep listening. Let's keep listening. This is where the rubber meets the road in this process of breaking. And we are still in Revelation 12. I was going to finish Revelation 12, but there are two verses that caught my attention that we can put up that I wanted to kind of springboard off of them into this topic. Revelation 12, 11, remember a couple weeks ago, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Then Revelation 12, 17, then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. Who's that? Believers, depending on when you think this was written or what it pertains to, the bottom line is he is making war against believers. Those who keep God's commandments and they hold fast their testimony about Jesus. And so I want to talk to you more a couple weeks ago, but just didn't get the time on this topic of testimony. It's so important, even on Twitter as well. I mentioned that again. All these, you know, some of these major church leaders falling and others ruining their testimony and the testimony is at stake. And a testimony is so important. It is so important because your kids are watching your testimony, not what you say. Remember the poem I like to quote on Father's Day? I don't think I can remember it, but wait, come back Father's Day. I remember a little bit. The lessons you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. We are in a war for our testimony. Okay, now... This is kind of interesting. So he went to Revelation. He's he obviously he's stepping out. If they've been working on the book of Revelation, then obviously he is stepping out of Revelation to go topical. Now it's called broken by God. God breaks you to make you. That's the title, but it sounds like the thesis here is testimony and the importance of testimony in your life. And we are in a war. I guess, to protect our testimony. All right. 
Now, I don't know how this is going to fit in with the breaking part, but we're, we're going to find out here in just a second. I am, you are. That's where the enemy is going to come after us in this area of testimony. That's why it's so important to hold our ground. And God breaks you to make you. God will break you to make you. And God often prepares you before He places you. I've got a lot of cute little sayings during this sermon, but it'll... it'll... Okay, so God will break you to make you. God will break you to make you. God will break you to make you. Now, he, say, he says he's going to have a lot of, you know, uh, and he's going to make you before he places you or something like that. I, I don't remember that the, the, ne the next thing he said, but God will break you to make you. Now, that sounds good that you could write that down in your notes. You can put that on your refrigerator. You can make it a t-shirt. You could, you could put it as a bumper sticker. No, does, who does bumper stickers anymore? Okay, that's kind of dated. All right, but you get the idea. You could put it on your social media account. You could do it. God breaks you to make you. Do, is that true? Is that true? God breaks you to make you. Now, here's the question. If God has to break you to make you, how does God break you? Now, this, this is where we're going to get really theological and philosophical. I will say typically the way we are broken, this is my own, this is my, I'm taking his hypotheses that he's yet to articulate, but I'm taking it and I'm going to hijack it and I'm going to create my own hypotheses. If it is true that God breaks you to make you, I will argue the way we're typically broken is through our sin. So maybe the re so then you would have to argue God in many cases does not intervene or stop sin. It's almost as if sin is a part of the plan because he wants you to sin because through sin, he's going to break you, therefore to make you. Now that gets very questionable because then that seems to say, well, then God wanted me to sin. Well, no, God didn't want you to sin. Well, he did want me to sin because he was going to break me to make me. No, no, it's not that he wanted you to sin, but he was going to use your sin in order to make you. Well, then I couldn't be made until I sin, right? I, I don't know. But, or does God break you using something other? Let, let's continue to listen and see where they take this hypothesis and where they take it to. We're going to find out right now. Here we go. It'll, it'll, it'll hit some of you where it needs to hit. God prepares you before he places you. Reading from Streams in the Desert, a devotional written in the 1940s, I would highly encourage you to, to sign up for them as well as Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. They can email. <laughs> oh, you got to love that. Okay. I've talked about Oswald Chambers, utmost for his highest. I've told you a million times. That's one of those devotionals that everybody's like, you've got to get, you've got to get, you've got to get. I. We, we need to do some review. We'll do some, we'll get, we'll have to pull up Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, and just read some of those devotionals. And you can tell me what you think. It is a, I don't know. I don't even know how to classify it. I, I, from a, from an expositional theological perspective, I think the thing has got millions of problems. Streams in the desert. I, I'm not as familiar with that one, but that's interesting that this is, this is what he's pointing us to. All right. But okay. I wonder, I, I, I'm curious, if broken by God, God breaks you to make you, I'm, I'm curious if that comes directly from Oswald Chambers. 
or streams in the desert? Does it come from my utmost for as highest? I, I, I'm, I, I could be wrong. I, I want to think that God breaks you to make you comes from Oswald Chambers. And if it does, then is the principle biblical or did he read the principle and a devotional and then look for scripture to supposedly support the principle? In other words, the principle didn't even, didn't necessarily arise from his own study of scripture. I'm not saying that's the case, but that phrase just sounds like it comes from Oswald Chambers. I could be wrong. Well, let's see where this goes. Email to every day. And it's just amazing the insight a lot of these people have. Some of the storms of life come suddenly. A great sorrow, a bitter disappointment, a crushing defeat. Anybody been there? Yet it is in the storm that God equips us for service. When God wants an oak tree, He plants it on the moor where the storms will shake it and the rains will beat down upon it. And it, 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 it is in the midnight battle with the elements that the oak wins its rugged fiber and becomes king of the forest. Now, all, all this sounds good, right? It's in the storm. This is, what, this is how it works, right? It's in the storm that he does this. Now, again, that all sounds so good, but are, have we taken concepts that are put forth in devotional material and then we almost make them dogmatic principles and then we simply search for scriptures that we think then supports it? Or does these ideas originally, or do they actually arise from Scripture? Look, it, th this is always the never-ending struggle if you care at all about being true to Scripture. Either you find ideas that you impose upon the text, yet you convince yourself that the text supports it, but you've already imposed it. You've read, you've read the concept into Scripture, so therefore then you think the Scriptures support your idea, but you're not really, in reality, you're imposing it upon the text. Or are you actually studying the text, and then from the text, the idea naturally arises from it? It's such a important distinction, but sometimes we don't see it. We're like, no, 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 this idea is right here. I think you got the idea from a devotional and it sounds so good, so spiritual into the, the devotional. You've imposed it upon the text, but you're like, well, but the scripture, but the scripture, because you've imposed the idea upon the scripture. If you didn't have the idea and you were just studying scripture, utilizing basic hermeneutical principles and basic Bible study skills, would you arrive at those principles? Which came first, the idea or the scripture? In many cases, the idea comes first and then it's imposed upon scripture. And the way it should work, you start with scripture, then the ideas should emerge from the study of scripture within a proper context, within a proper understanding. Let's continue to see what they have to say here. When God wants to make a man, he puts him into some storm. The history of manhood is always rough and rugged. No man is made until he has been out into the surge of the storm and has found fulfillment in that wonderful prayer, oh God, take me, break me, and make me. That's a powerful prayer. Take me, make me, break me. Take me, make me, break me. Take me, make me, break me. That sounds good to put in your journal. Take me, make me, break me. That sounds good to put. That's a good for a sermon. Take me, make me, break me. Right? Or would it be take me, break me, make me? Right? Because if he breaks you to make you, wouldn't it be take you, break you, then make you? It wouldn't be take me, make me, break me. It'd be take me, 
Break me, make me. Right? Okay, all right. You get the idea. You get the idea. This all sounds good. This all sounds good. It sounds spiritual. It sounds pious. It sounds, it may even sound biblical. Now, what are we getting ready to do? He's giving us all of the ideas. Now, from, from a, if, you, if you're looking at it from a psychological perspective, all of these ideas are being given as true, accurate, and biblical. So whenever he goes to a scripture, it's going, he, these ideas are already going to be imposed upon the scripture and it's going to be easy for you to go, well, the scriptures support it. Now, maybe they do, maybe they don't. Your job is to forget the idea that this is being imposed upon it. And let's see what scriptures that he's, he's going to actually use. Right now, he's just quoting, I think he's quoting specifically from Oswald Chambers. Maybe this comes from Streams in the Desert, but it sounds so much like Oswald Chambers to me. But all right, let's, let's continue. The broken, brokenness is a blessing. The power of brokenness. What does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Keep listening. You'll know exactly what it means in about 45 minutes. But think about this. The disappointments of childhood, the pain of parenting, and the loneliness of getting older. All of these wilderness ex experiences do have a purpose. One of the hardest things, I think, for any parent after losing a child is watching God break that child. Or maybe out of sin or, or disobedience, there's a brokenness and you see your child going through and you, as much as you want to pull them out of that storm, sometimes you have to let them stay in that storm to get stronger. Did you know that babies would never walk if we didn't let them? If you just carried around the baby, never let them develop their muscles. So the enemy wants to destroy our testimonies, especially as things get worse. Compromise begins to enter in even more. The enemy is after your testimony as a believer. I want you to think about this. If salvation is a gift from God, initiated by the act of the will, as many people say, if you reject Him or accept Him, if salvation is that gift from God, the person initiated by the act of the will, then destroying that person's testimony definitely hinders people coming to the Lord. Okay, now we could get into a theological argument. He's saying that salvation is initiated by the will. All right? So not initiated by God, but initiated by the will. And that would make... Okay, so... Obviously, this is looking at, then the will cannot be bound by sin. The will cannot be in bondage to sin. The will would have to be free in order for salvation to be initiated by a move of the will. So therefore, you either would have to be a Pelagian or semi-Pelagian, right? That the will could be free. Or you're going to have to say God acts upon the will. And if God is acting upon the will, then you're saying the will is in bondage. God has to act upon the will to make it willing to accept. Well, then God would be the one initiating it, not the will. And then it would be like, well, then why God? Why does not God uh, move upon every will? Well, then that gets you to more of a, uh, a Calvinistic approach versus a semi-Pelagian approach. Because the semi-Pelagian approach or Pelagian approach, the whole concept is that the will is free to choose. The will is free to decide. The will can. The will possesses ability. Where the other view, Augustinian, Calvinistic, is the will lacks said ability. All right, but... All right, but so now he's going back to the testimony. So is this the idea of, is this a war on, is the sermon, is the hypothesis, or is the thesis of this sermon 
God breaks you to make you, or is the or is the thesis of this sermon there is a war against testimony? Because if God can destroy your testimony, then your testimony cannot be used to then motivate someone's will to choose God. I, I guess that's that's the approach. All right, so let, let's see where he continues. Many of the Samaritans believe because of the woman at the well's testimony. Isn't that true? You see so many, so many testimonies of people that it's hard to watch. And we've seen a lot of testimonies. Praise God, there's, there's tons of still success stories, but I wish I could tell you that every success story is, is ending well. Many back in their addictions, many have left their marriage. You see even leaders, you know, pastors, well-known pastors, all this, this controversy and falling, and, and it's, it, it hurts the flock. And that's why we often say, never look at a man or a movement. Look at the cross. If you follow me around for a week, you'll see things come out. Anybody get upset in traffic? They take your parking spot you wanted? Maybe raise your voice when you... If you follow people around, that that flesh comes out sometimes. And just the flesh doesn't come out sometime. The flesh is always present, and our sinful nature is always there. So it's it, we're constantly sinning far more than just getting upset because someone took our parking spot. And but then, however, if we have the flesh and we have a sinful nature, then how then does the will act independently of said sinful? Okay, so then this gets back to the problem of semi-Pelagianism, a Pelagianism, because it, it, he's kind of contradicting. If you're going with Pelagian view, then you don't have a sinful nature. And if you're going with a semi-Pelagian view, then you have to have this weird idea that somehow the sinful nature doesn't impact the will, which is gets all convoluted and complicated. Okay, but he's not obviously going into this theological issue. I'm still trying to, what we need to identify here is what's the thesis of the sermon? Is the thesis of the sermon, God breaks you to make you, or is the thesis of the sermon, we have a testimony and there's a war out against our testimony and we've got to fight this. And the very first enemy against our testimony is our own sinful nature. Is that the thesis? And our testimony, as especially as when, when Christians are new to the faith and they see people falling, it can really set them back. Many of us, we've been around enough to where such and such on TV or the radio or whatever is not going to... It's sad and, and it net, let, lets the wind out of my cell, but I understand the nature of man. And I'm going to follow Christ regardless of what men do. I just shared yesterday, I think it's when God develops your character by John Bevere and his wife Lisa are doing a podcast. They have some incredible insight. He said, don't let your platform get bigger than your character. We could just pause right there, right? And let that, let that kind of sink in a little bit. I did. Like, Lord, help me. Just, I don't, I, I, this character has to be, be able to sustain what you're calling us to. Because your anointing will take you somewhere, but it's your character that keeps you there. And I'm going to talk with the men about this in February on the Saturday mornings that we're doing. Once a month, I've committed to meet with the men, pray with them, talk with them, kind of open my heart 
uh, just for men only. If we film it, maybe ladies, you can watch it later, but, uh, but that's so important. Character is what stands the test of time. That's what I'm fighting for every day. That's what you're fighting for every day. That's why we apologize to our spouses. We, we apologize for, to our kids. We want to make that difference. But I want to share a key with you so it will encourage you. Not all brokenness is from God. Okay, so now, all right, so now we're back. So we're, we're going testimony. Then he quotes from a podcast. Don't let your character, don't let your platform grow greater than your character. Okay, that's a very, I mean, that's a powerful point. Okay, so that seems to be going with the testimony. Now we're back to the brokenness. Now the point is brokenness doesn't all come from God. All right. Now, if, bro- if all brokenness doesn't come from God, then how did you get broke? I mean, if, if you've gotten broken by something other than, did, did, did brokenness come into your life that God did not allow? Did brokenness come in? I, I'm trying to, hard, I, I don't know the thesis yet, but I'm trying to follow the, the, the theological logic here, right? So the will instigates salvation, basically, or the move to salvation. So that seems to imply that the will is not bound by the sinful nature. Now, brokenness comes, broken, God breaks you to make you, but you can be broken by something other than God. Well, if I'm broken by something other than God, is that because that brokenness happened and God didn't want it to? God was like, whoa, 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 watch out, watch out, watch out. Oh man, you got broken. I I didn't, that's not for me. That would seem to then destroy God's sovereignty, right? Because in any brokenness that enters into my life, at least God allowed it at the, at the minimum and ordained it, if you, depending on your understanding of God's sovereignty. All right. Well, we'll, we'll go a little bit further here. Because people can get bitter at God. Why are you allowing this? Have you ever asked the why questions? You guys are not participating. I know it's hard, right? It's like, yeah. Really what that often means? Why? Who has hurt you? Doesn't spell exactly that. Who, who, what, what, something has hurt you and I've become bitter at God. But regardless of where the brokenness comes from, God can use it. Thank God for that. Irregardless of where the brokenness comes from, God can use it. Well, wait a minute. So is God in charge of it or not? So, so are you telling me God is sitting there and he's like, oh, what? Oh, man. Okay, well, right, let me step in and use this. Wouldn't God be the one who have to allow it? Are you? I, I, I am so perplexed by this. This seems to be like a total denial of the sovereignty of God. That you can be broken but God didn't want that to happen to you. If God didn't want it to happen to you, then why did it happen? Was God not able, either God's inability to stop it or God did not foresee it coming. You're either destroying his omnipotence, you're destroying his omniscience, you're, look, you're destroying his sovereignty. I don't understand this. You can be broken and it doesn't come from God, but God can use it. Well, that's great that God can use it, but why didn't, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having, okay. All right. Let, let's just see. I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully, hopefully this will make some sense. I'm trying to follow this. I'm trying to follow this. Can you imagine, can, can you just imagine if, if God's word said something like, what are people applauding? What did I miss? 
Am I supposed to applaud because God can use it even though he didn't allow? Well, hey, 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 God didn't want that to happen, but he'll step in and use it. Well, what? My, why am I applauding? My question would be, well, why didn't he stop it? Or, I don't understand, what, what was the applause for? I missed something there. I'm not understanding what that applause was for. All right, let's continue. I, I need to, I, I think what I need to do to learn to get applause is I need to make more convoluted theological, con- and I'm not trying to be judgmental here, but I just don't understand. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm trying to follow the concept. There is a brokenness. God breaks you to make you. However, there's a brokenness that doesn't come from God. So somehow you're broken and God had nothing to do with it, but then God will step in and take the brokenness that he had nothing to do with and do something with it. But he's not answering the question, why, how, how did the brokenness get there? If, like, if there's a God, I, I, I'm not understanding. But in these situations, you're kind of on your own. You, you've drifted too far. I can't, ah, Satan's got you on this. I don't know what to do on these. So that's why you need to stay here. Could you imagine? Talk about going insane. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. The reason I stop there is I've heard so many people quote it and stop there. You don't, you can't stop there. There's not even a comma. Oh, brother, you know, I think God works everything for good. Well, there's kind of a little bit more to that. To those who love God. Now, how do we know we love God? Jesus said, and Scripture teaches, that we obey His Word, correct? Yes, obedience is very important. But obedience must flow from a joyful heart. If you're obedient, but you're critical and mean, you're almost like the Pharisee. Okay, I, I'm, I'm so trying to follow this. Okay, so there's a war on our testimony. I don't know where that fits into this thesis. God breaks you to make you, but things will work good if you love God, and the way you know you love God is you obey God, but if I don't obey God fully, then do I really love God? How much obedience must be present in my life to know that I love Him? And could there be an external obedience without internal love? I think there could definitely be an external obedience obedience without internal love. So I, I like, I've got, I've got, okay, but I'm still trying to figure out how you can be broken without God. Okay. All right. We're, we're running out of time here. We're running out of time here. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to hand this to you to go listen to the rest and, and you do what you want with it. Um, I'm, I'm still trying, because this is, we're only 10 minutes and 42 seconds into a sermon that's over an hour long. This is going to be, I don't know how all the twists and turns this thing's going to take. I, I, I almost want to spend the rest of the night trying to follow these twists and turns, oh, but I'm, I'll let you do that, and then you can email me at newsif at yahoo.com and tell me what twists and turns you discovered in listening. But we got to listen to a little bit more because, I mean, there's a lot here we could do with Romans chapter 8, you know, and I think the all things that work together for good, yeah, I think all... Oh, yeah, I, I think, oh, there's so much with this passage that there's just, this is, oh, okay. All right, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to follow. Let's, let's see where we, this goes. And so, oh, yeah, I love God. I follow his word. 
And that's, this is actually why I come up with a lot of those names, right? Prune face Pam. <laughs> There's a Pam here. It didn't mean you. Where are you at, Pam? Didn't mean here. Okay. I just wrote these down. Nobody, there's a carry here too. I better not say all these things. Prune face, Pam, critical carry, bitter, Barbara. Don't worry, man. I've got a few for you. Legalistic, Larry, arrogant, Andy, and judgmental, Jeff. All these people obey the word of God, but they're as hard as stone. Okay, so... The way we know we love God is we obey God, but you can obey God and have a heart of stone. So that meaning obedience isn't not proof of God's love, right? I thought that's, all right, so let's see if he cleans this up a little bit. And, and I don't know where this fits in with the war and testimony. I don't know where this fits in with, with being broken by God, but I'm trying to follow. I'm, I'm honestly trying to follow. I'm trying to follow. Here we go. That's not a person who loves God. You love your theology, and you're arrogant. You want to be right. Okay, so he clearly seems to be implying that you don't know, you can't know that you love God by simply obeying God because you can obey God and be arrogant, a jerk, a legalist, love your theology, and you just want to be right. Okay, all right, got it. So is he going to now tell us, so is the thesis of this sermon now how to know that we love God or is the thesis of this sermon that God breaks you to make you or is the thesis of this sermon, <laughs> there's a war in your testimony. I, I'm starting not, I, I, we're 11 minutes in and I still don't know if I can identify what the thesis of this is, but let's see if we can find it. About certain things. And again, we all struggle with this. You know, us, as I said in a video I just put out recently, us truth guys, right? Anybody truth guys? Do you lean more towards truth or love? Just a few of you? I'm going to start pointing you guys out here in a minute because I know who you are. I don't say you're all truth and no love. I say when you lean, you're going to, it's, it's about the truth, right? Okay. And then there's a the love side. Oh, just, just, Henry, I knew it. Yeah, good call. Just, just, just love them and just, and that's good. But biblically speaking, we've got to come back to the middle and have that truth and love both of those he works all things to those who are the called according to his purpose so i better line up with his purpose and that often involves repenting that's why i talk about repentance a lot not only is it great for somebody who doesn't know the lord to come to saving faith but it's also good to get the christian back on track it's basically how we clean house so now is the thesis, I, I still don't know how I'm supposed to know I love God. Now, the, now is this about, so what is the thing? Is this about repentance? Is this about loving God? Is this about being broken? Or is this about a war in our testimony? Or is this all somehow, fit, or is it about Romans chapter eight, verse 28? I, well, look, I know we're already over an hour. Let's just, let's just see if we can, I don't know. I don't know if we can come up with some answers. We'll try to go like maybe another 30 seconds a minute. Here we go. It's January. Everybody's talking about juice cleanses and cleansing the body. <laughs> Repentance is spiritual cleansing because it gets the joy of the Lord back into our heart. Then if we love God, our attitude's right, we repent, 
Lord, I want to do your will, then everything that happens, he will work out for his good. So if we love God, if we repent, if we serve God, then everything will work out for good. So it's very conditional. I, oh, I think this is such a misrepresentation of this entire passage. Okay, but, but, I, but the sermon is not really supposed to be about Romans 8.28. So I don't, really, I don't really know. I don't know what the thesis of this sermon is. Not necessarily what we want, but his good. And then Job, I love this verse. But he knows the way I take when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. It's interesting, right? If you have a, anybody have a 14 carat ring or 24, John Bevere talked about this too, 24 carat, that's not pure gold. Once you put that gold in the furnace, that's why the Bible talks about furnace of affliction. I, I, now it's going to go about trials. I don't know where it's going. I don't know where it's going. I, I, I'll, I'm just going to leave it there. I mean, because I know we've talked about a lot of things tonight. Uh, and I'm just going to leave it there. I would challenge you to go look up that sermon, Broken by God, God Breaks You to Make You. You can find it on the Sermons 2.0 app. Please go download it. Uh, you can skip to the 13 minute and 45 second mark and you can listen to the rest. I would love to get your thoughts on it. Um, I don't really know where it's going. I don't, I don't, I don't, like typically when I do these sermon reviews, I like to grab onto something. I'm like, okay, let's do something with this. I don't know what to grab onto there because I don't really understand where it's going. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I don't know. But the point is, I guess we could contrast this with the first one we listened to. Can you see the radically different approaches? Now, you could take the first one where there was yelling and screaming, and I don't know what that was, and I don't, I don't know if I would have seen the text. This one is much more calmer, but I still don't know if I see the text because I, I, I don't, I, I, with this one, I don't really know what it is. And I think so many times preaching gets in the way of actual, the text, but you can listen to it. The goal of this tonight was to see if broadcasting on Mixler and the Sermons 2.0 app and Church One app would actually work. I'm going to go back. I'm going to see how easy it's going to be to edit this and then upload it to both Mixler and to uh, Sermons 2.0 in Church One. Um, so this is really more of a test. Um, I, everything worked out. We went. We broadcasted for over an hour, an hour and 12 minutes. I think everything worked out fine. I'm going to be waiting for feedback. So you can tell me which platform, if you want to email me this evening, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Tell me which platform you were listening to me on. Did it work? Did it not work? If you were using Mixler, what did you like? What did you dislike? How did the app work? I, I, anything. Um, um, I know it doesn't appear notifications work the way they were supposed to. So I'm going to have to look into that, try to figure that out. But so we're doing this because our podcasting hosting site, Spreaker, they informed us that they're doing away with live broadcasting and they're basically asking us to no longer use it. So uh, to use the live broadcasting feature. So we're going we're gonna to see what our options are. So this is one of the things we attempted to do tonight. And so this was a... I w I would like to leave with some kind of great, you know, hey, we really learned something about the scriptures. I, I, maybe what we learned is we had two examples, even though we didn't make it too far, of I don't think either one of us would have gotten us to the text of scripture. 
And so we may talk about the styles of preaching. It's not the styles of preaching that's the issue. It's whatever style, if that style, the preaching gets in way of the text, then it's problematic. And we've all been there and done it. I've, I've been guilty of it as well. But there you go. All right, we'll stop. Everyone have a great evening and email me at newsif at yahoo.com. I'm going to look over here really quick. Someone, uh, okay, okay, someone said the chat is good. Someone else, it looks like gave a heart. That's good. I th- I'm assuming, oh, two hearts. I got two hearts. Whoa, that's got to mean something, right? Okay, okay. I, don't, I don't know why they would heart any of this because it hasn't been very good. But thank you very much. And um, yeah, all right. So I think things are working. We're at one hour and 20 minutes. So clearly we didn't have a problem with time and everything seemed to be working great. So we're going to wrap it up. Everyone have a great night. Thank you so much for uh, listening. And uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I don't know what else to do. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.